0: all right good morning welcome back to driving theology my name is Mike and it is a actually quite lovely February morning February in Japan is uh, the traditional start of spring more or less so we've already got a few flowering trees the the, the climate has has changed a bit right it just feels feels like springtime a little bit here. In fact, we had a nice nice rain last night, so the roads are a little wet, but it's clear and the skies are blue. And you can see the snowy mountains off in the distance and birds are starting to sing more and come out more. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a nice time of year. <clears throat> Still cold. I mean, it really, the temperature, hasn't changed much, although it's a little bit warmer today than usually it would be this time of day, Uh, like in, say, the beginning of January. It is 6 degrees Celsius today, which is cold enough, that's for sure. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, I'm uh, on my way to work and it is, I believe, two days past Valentine's Day. which is February 16th, and I just had to tell my family that I'm not going to be able to go back for my dad's 80th birthday. And it really, really sucks. Uh, There are some really neat things about living abroad, and and there is some some adventure, and uh, you know, of course there's a lot of romantic notions around travel and things of this sort. But sometimes, sometimes it sucks. And when it sucks, it sucks about as bad as it could suck. I'm not sure if I could use the word suck anymore. Uh, The distance is very real, right? The distance and the cost of travel. Sometimes, sometimes just buries you, right? It's just, it's horrendous. And, and then the, just the, you know, the, the amount of time you have to be away, right? For example, for me to get home, it's basically uh, 48 hours of travel, more or less. 48 hours of travel, door to door. That's just the travel back, there and back, right? Um, 24 there, 24 back, and then, and then you have jet lag to deal with because you're dealing with, you know, going west to east, of course there's east to west, west to east, it's all the same, but there's jet lag to deal with, um, and uh, and because of COVID, costs are super high right now, um, whatever's going on in the world economy because of COVID and, you know, supply and demand and fewer people flying or whatever, <clears throat> the cost of flying has increased dramatically and then on top of all that you have the you know covid protocols the all of the crappy stuff that has to do with getting in and out of a country um and you know being vaccinated or unvaccinated and and quarantining and you know all of this stuff has to be considered as well and that turn that down uh, and that stuff um, <clears throat> just adds a a whole heap of complexity already on something that's very complex um, and it just sucks I, I don't know how else to say it like it's it's just the, the horrible consequences of living so far away you know if I was just taking off for a weekend to go do this and go back if I were living in a neighboring town or even a, you know the, the next state it wouldn't be such a big deal but you know I need I need two weeks basically I need well actually I need more than two weeks I need about two week two and a half weeks okay so if I want to stay in the states for a week, for a single week, right? Mind you that the first day or two is going to be all dealing with jet lag, and I'll be kind of, you know, you're kind of out of your mind during that time anyway, and it's, you know, it's its, it's horrible to be with jet lag, sucks. Anyway, if I want to stay in the States only one week, I'm going to need two and a half weeks before I could get back to work at the bare minimum, <clears throat> that's assuming, you know, there are negative tests and all that stuff. At the bare minimum, I need two and a half weeks. Uh, and I don't have but a week off uh, from my classes uh, between March and April. Even though uh, my college classes, I'm off, and that's all great. Very thankful for that. Um, but I still have, you know, my other classes. And this is the beginning of the school year. So if I miss say a week in March and a week in April, I'm missing possibly the last the last class, right? I'd be missing the, the, the final class of the year and possibly the first class of the year. I'd be missing both of those. Even even if we took a week off in the middle, just depending on how it worked out, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it would all work out differently probably. But still, there you have it. It's <clears throat> it's horrible. I mean, if I could just go for a week and be back, uh, you know, that would mean my wife would be uh, alone with the dogs and her father for a shorter time. By the way, her father is basically an invalid can't do anything for himself. Um, so we're pretty much his full-time caregivers, more or less. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is, yeah, sometimes you think, I want to live abroad, and how cool would that be, and how fun, and, but there are times when the distance really feels, you, you really feel the distance, Right? can't tell you how many times I've broken down and cried because I couldn't be with my family when they were going through stuff or you know missing all the weddings and you know, and all the funerals and there's just so many things that I'm unable to get to uh, yeah I don't know it's um it sucks I don't know what else to to say about that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, don't even know, theologically, what that's going to, um, go into. I will say there's some great things about living abroad, though. I mean, you know, it is interesting. It's rarely boring. Um... There are constantly tons of things to, to learn and to know and and to observe and to be surprised by. Um, yeah, there's lots of good stuff about it too, you know. Um, yep, that's all I need to say about that, I guess. But... Uh, it is what it is so i had to cancel that trip um and i can see my little brother really want to go see and kiss my mom i need to do it soon though my parents are getting old i mean they're both in relatively good health at least compared to my wife's father they're both in really good health <clears throat> but yeah they won't they won't be around forever not in not in this life anyway so yeah that's what I had to do this morning the other thing is I was gonna see my other two daughters um, my oldest daughter Anna is gonna be there for a couple days I would have been able to spend time with her, which is a big deal because we haven't seen her since 2019 because of COVID, junk, and, uh, and then I could have seen where Erica's going to school and you know been around her college for a little bit just to hang out there. But uh, yeah, it's not gonna happen. I need to make it happen at some point, but it's just not gonna happen this time. So, uh, yeah, you can't be two places at once, it's just, it's just a fact. Um, Interestingly enough, however, somehow, uh, in the Gospels, it seems that Jesus was able to be several places at once, um, the Bible makes a point to talk about after Jesus resurrected from the dead and he was in his glorified body uh, that he appeared to over 500 people all at once I don't know what that was like I wonder if he was able to be you know, it's it, did he broadcast you know what I'm saying did he broadcast whatever he wanted to say to those 500 people at the same time uh, did he just just appear? Did they just see him and that's it? Uh, or, you know, uh, was he actually able to, to talk to each and every one of them? You know, 500 people at one time. It's kind of interesting. It doesn't really talk about the appearance itself. It just says it happened. And it would seem that it didn't. It wasn't an appearance, uh, you know, like a public appearance where there were 500 people present. It really does seem like he appeared to 500 people um, all at the same time who were spread, spread around. And I've probably done something on the numbers before, but it would seem that he, he had some 500 uh, or more disciples by then. Which is a small number, considering that you know he fed uh, fed over nine thousand people miraculously. Uh, if you believe those two events are separate events, uh, and I think they're both in Matthew, so it would seem that they were um, fed the five thousand, fed the four thousand. That's nine thousand people that he fed miraculously. People who witnessed his miraculous power, uh, and yet you know, at the time of his resurrection, he only had 500 disciples. And, and I know there's a lot there, right? There's, a, there's going to be a lot of reasons that that's the case. But we do know that Jesus, um, he did, he wasn't afraid of saying things that would make people leave him. Right? He didn't shy away from that. He, <clears throat> uh, at one point, he told his, disciples, and he had very many at this point, he said, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, and a lot of people who just could not accept this kind of grotesque uh, idea, uh, they left, they left him, right, Um, and Jesus turned to his disciples and, you know, are you not going to leave also? And they said, who who would we go to? You have the, the words of life or something like this. I know it's not the best quote, but <clears throat> it's like, you know, where else can we go? You, you're it, right? Um, so, yeah, so... It's interesting, right? So why why would you would think and and the way church goes on today that that you know everybody wants just as many disciples as possible in a church or in a movement or whatever? It's numbers is really a big deal. In fact, we we're constantly talking about you know big churches and mega churches and you know multiple campuses and and multiple services and satellite churches and all all of this is you know a way to kind of low-key boast about how successful uh, your group is, especially with, you know, bringing in uh, lots of people, right? Big numbers. Um, But it would seem that Jesus wasn't obsessed with numbers, that it wasn't about uh, how many people came to see him. Right, but just how much of him he could get into a few people. Right, it was more about quality than quantity with Jesus, and and I I think that's. I don't know if we think about it, that's how it's going to be, right? I mean, how would how would Jesus be any different? Um. And we know if, you know, if you believe the, God, the Gospels and, and even, you know, the Old Testament bears this out that even when pit, people witness even when, I said pitness even when people witness the power of God and are, you know, witnesses of His um, witnesses of His uh, miracles it doesn't, it does not, you know, lock them in to be obedient or good disciples, right? It's not, it's not a not a sure thing. <clears throat> uh, you know, the the disciples, especially the apostles, witnessed all all kinds of amazing things that Jesus did for three years of ministry, uh, and yet, everyone abandoned him, except possibly John. Everyone abandoned him when he went to the cross and, and were confused about what was going on at the cross and really didn't have a lot of faith that he was going to come out on top as he did, right? Uh, and and that, that speaks volumes to, to human nature. Uh, we, we, are, we are easily impressed and we easily forget, right? Both easily impressed and, and easily distracted, um, and dissatisfied, and, and we, you know, always want more. We want it now. We, you know, it kind of becomes the vending machine God kind of concept that you know. Well, what have you done for me lately? Um, kind of thing, and it's quite common that people miss the points. You know, the point of miracles. And of course, it's to be expected. I mean, it's that's just it, again, it, it speaks to human nature, right? We are fickle. Um, we're 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 wishy-washy, and so even even the disciples who witnessed amazing things still did not believe, uh, for example, in the divinity of Jesus or or the you know the power. That he had to overcome uh, all of the things that were done against him, and so there is something to um, there, there. You know, there are there are different kinds of ministries. There are ministries to the masses where you you try to reach as many people as possible, and there are there. There's ministry to some, right? Uh, where maybe you go a little bit deeper, and there's ministry to to a small group, right? Say 12 apostles, and then there's a ministry to to two or three, right? Who become truly your disciples, who who see you in your most intimate moments and know uh, what's going on uh, very closely. And they are able to, Able to learn from you on a much deeper level, because of their closer proximity to you, and this seems to be how Jesus worked, right? Um, He had Peter, James, and John, who seemed to be in the inner circle. Uh, He had the rest of the disciples and and the ladies. uh, Well, I mean, of course, the ladies are disciples. I should have said apostles. And and the women such as uh, the Marys and Martha uh, and uh, possibly Lazarus and all kinds of other people who for some reason are not called uh, necessarily apostles uh, there, but they I think a lot of people believe that Mary Magdalene was was definitely one of the one of the top apostles, even though he's not she's not named as one of the twelve for whatever reason, but there were definitely people that were very close to him, and then there were the 72, right, there were, there were another group of people outside of them who may have been novices, you know, uh, and then, you know, there were the, the bigger ministries, the 500, uh, which was another level, apparently, of whatever Jesus was doing, and these layers, um, got more and more intimate, the fewer and fewer people involved, which is an obvious thing, right? Of course, that's true. That's how it would work, right? Intimacy cannot be done in front of 5,000 people, right? Um, This is something that the church has lost and forgotten about and does not do well. Uh, It does not talk in these terms, and that's because uh, the the church really needs butts in the pews, and it needs wallets in those, the pants on the butts, and, and the wallets in the pants, and the pants on the butts, and the butts on the pew, and the pews in the church. <laughs> Sorry, being goofy. That could be a funny song, though. Hmm. Uh, yeah because it's all about money I know that sounds cynical and I know that uh, even though the people uh, may be very genuine in what they're doing and, and to them it's not about money but, but down deep you know if you peel away all the layers of what a modern day institutional church is at the bottom line uh, at the foundation you're going to find money Involved, uh, and that's why so much is going wrong with the church. The church has not figured out how to untether itself from Mammon. Man, mammon, Mammon. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and I talked about this a little bit last week, right? It's the it's the church trying to work in the systems of the world, right? It's trying to work economically, basically as an institution of the world. While you know, theologically, trying to be um, the body of Christ, and and these things don't mix, right? They, you can't you can't have one foot in each door. Is that the right metaphor? Um, I'm not even sure. I guess you're either in or you're out. The church has got to get away from money. It's got to escape money. It has to. Um, and that's the main reason why I, you know, um, think that small groups, small churches, home home churches or cafe churches or whatever you want to call it, non-clergy run churches are really the best way to do it. Um, because other than that, the church is too dependent on money uh, and too dependent on the rich and I don't see that as a positive. Man this truck in front of me scares me So yeah money 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 that's a problem yep um <clears throat> if and when, well, and where, right? There are places where this is happening. Where the church throws off the shackles of the world's economic system It's where the kingdom of heaven is. I'm not going to say it's the only place where the kingdom of heaven is. I think the ki- kingdom of heaven and Jesus Himself are pretty amazing, and they can do all kinds of awesome things, uh, despite our lack uh, of understanding and obedience and, and uh, general discipleship. But I will say, Christians that can that can you know stop being so tied to money, I believe, are going to be Christians that are able to. More faithfully um, show Christ to the world. I hope, and I hope I can be one of those, you know, people because <sighs> money is just inevitable. I suppose. I, I I don't know where or what world I could get to. Um, while in this in this body, um, where money would not exist, it's just it's just the way the world works today, right? The world, I think this has even been said, the world runs on money. Um, the world may run on money, but all you need is love, as the Beatles said, <laughs> uh, which is true. True. You know, there really is enough for all. Uh, And some countries are hoarding more than their fair share. I'm looking at you, America, Japan, and uh, lots of other countries. There are countries that are hoarding more than their fair share, and not very willing to share with the rest of the world where there's great need. but love would help us to do so, right? If we if we simply loved our fellow man. That's all we'd need to do. Uh, you know, egos drive pastors to have as many people in their church as possible and to measure the success of their church by the number of people. Um, but Christ's Christ's way of evaluating human beings is quite different right and and I don't mean to evaluate them uh, as you know being worthy or not worthy uh, because it's best for us right there's nothing better for us than to be filled with Christ and he wants what's best for us and so he wants to fill us Of course, that's what he wants to do. Yeah, so... Man, I'm running early today. It's, It's a rare occurrence. We have to throw off the Economic shackles—it's it's dragging the church down, and it causes all kinds of other problems. You know, there are all kinds of peripheral problems that are that are caused by um, our enslavement to money, and we are not willing to pay the price. You know, we're not willing to buy our freedom for whatever reason. We're not willing to buy our freedom from these shackles that are made of money. But it's, you know, it's possible. It's something we can do. We can be freed from it. Right? Right? And Jesus came to free us from such bondage. That's what that's what people who follow Jesus do, and that's that's what Jesus does, right? He is he is the uh, emancipator, the great emancipator, <clears throat> and it's something that we need, right? It's not it's not something trivial. Uh, we, we need, we desperately need to be freed from this. These economic shackles are what are enslaving the world and hindering the kingdom of God from spreading even faster than it could. We are enslaved. It's, it's, it's that simple. Uh, the world is enslaved and unfortunately the church is enslaved. somehow we thought not to rehash what I did last week but it's still fresh in my mind so here it goes somehow we thought that that playing the game by the world's rules would win us the world's success while still remaining the church but uh, that hasn't happened please oh well I'm early I'm glad I'm early yeah we're stuck behind a dump truck that can't turn you dump truck <laughs> so yeah, um, man, I don't know what it's gonna take i I think what's gonna happen is the the church is actually going to crush under the weight of its own wealth. maybe that's what's happened already <clears throat> Maybe the church is crushed under the weight of its own wealth and is no longer the church, and the church is, is to be found um, other places. Harder to find, but more authentic. That's, that's possibly true. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I'm. I kind of got to where... I wanted to go a little faster today, both in mind and in, uh, geographically speaking. Man, it's getting warmer though. It's already eight degrees outside. It was like five or six when I left. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I can't give you any specific advice on how to free yourself from... being in bondage to money um, because I struggle with it myself right it's something that, that is a, a constant struggle with me uh, I'm as materialistic as the next guy I like to have things and I like to have money to buy things and, and uh, I wish I had better advice um, but what has happened that has helped me I think to where I can even say the things that I say uh, is to get outside the institutional church and get a, a fresh perspective on what it looks like from outside. Uh, and from what I've seen so far, though there are some bright spots, um, it's not pretty, right? It's not pretty. Um, there are just too many problems. There, there's There's so much... What what happens when you try to make the church fit uh, into a system for which it was not built is you get bad theology. And bad theology leads to bad praxis. Um, And you get now the church working against itself instead of representing Christ on earth. Um... And when that happens, you are less and less representing the kingdom of God and more and more uh, representing the kingdoms of this world, uh, which Satan offered to Jesus and he turned down. Um, why did Jesus turn down the kingdoms of the world? He, he could have had them. He could have ruled them. Well, I think you realize that that system... Was a bad choice for the vehicle that would take his message to the world. It's not the way. It's not the way of Christ. It's not not the way of love. Uh, That's the way of the iron fist, right? That's the way of power, the way of violence, the way of fear, the the way of coercion. That's, That's the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of heaven is not like that. The kingdom of heaven is different. The way the kingdom of heaven works is different. So, I've gone off on a tangent and actually stretched out what I was going to say beyond what I was going to say, but yeah, I think that's maybe an alright place to get to. Alright, thanks guys. Uh, Peace. Bye-bye.